Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. If you're going to go on a late season slide, where else should you be but Milwaukee, where there's literally a big yellow slide above the left field bleachers? Bernie Brewer, the only big league mascot who wears later hosen. He was up and down that bad boy quite a bit over the weekend because, uh, well, the Brewers do hit home runs and the Mets tend to serve them up. A season that started with so much promise, 10 games over 500 at one point, 90 straight days in first place. Was that just some weird fever dream? The Mets lose 3 of 3 in Wisconsin. And we'll discuss next. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing. Now, here's Josh Lewin. Scootily down. It was one of the seminal moments of the classic movie Stripes from the early 80s. John Winger tells Russell Ziski, Czechoslovakia, that's nothing. It's like getting in and out of Wisconsin. And as you may know, it was not that easy for that wacky platoon. As Russell Ziski forewarned, I once got my ass kicked in Wisconsin. Feeling you, Russell Ziski. Feeling you very much as the Mets lose three, and now we know they will have a losing record in 2021. Josh Lewin with you. That's the fact, Jack. And we will recap the series because, hey, that's what we do. There's no need to go on and on about it because the Sunday game was just as disappointing as Friday and Saturday. The Mets had won only three of their last 14 heading into this series. And had that been, say, 7-7 and and not 3-11, and the Mets would have been right in the thick of the chaos for the NL East title even this past weekend. Not that second wild card, mind you, because the Cardinals, good Lord, 16 straight? And they do something like this every September. Maybe not win 16 in a row, but most wins in the majors September 1st on the last 12 years. It's the Cardinals, and it's not even close after that. Dodgers, Indians, Nationals, Brewers after that. Uh, The Mets are not in the top five, to put it mildly. St. Louis, in theory, I guess, could top out at uh, 34 straight wins. They just keep on winning and sweep every playoff series. You know the last time St. Louis had the worst record in the National League? 1918. Every other National League team has had that distinction at least once since 1990. The Mets did it in 1993. We're not going to go into that. But the Cardinals last time was 1918. That is crazy. Back to the Mets. Yeah, even 500 ball the two weeks before this weekend, that would have set up an epic three-way round robin down the stretch between the Mets, the Phillies, and the Braves. Oh, well. Instead, we're stuck watching a a limp to the finish line, and I agree. It's been one trip to the dentist after another these last couple weeks. 
Meantime, if you live in Wisconsin, I mean, despite the accent and having to try and say places like Sheboygan without giggling, Milwaukee now has the NBA champion Bucks. They got the Brewers winning the NL Central, the Packers are the Packers. What a time to be a cheesehead. Let's at least slog our way through the weekend here as non-Wisconsinites here. Scoring, let's just say, at a premium for the Mets of late. Friday, oh, before the game, the Brewers added three players to their wall of honor. And two of those honorees also spent time with the Mets. That was Francisco Rodriguez and Carlos Gomez. And Gomez actually thanked the Mets during his speech. The Mets had signed him as a 16-year-old back in 2002. Wow. Made his big league debut with the team five years later. Got traded to the Twins in 08 as part of the deal for Johan Santana. Gomez, of course, almost returned to the Mets in 2015. Brewers GM Doug Melvin had reportedly agreed on a deal to send him to the Mets for Wilmer Flores and Zach Wheeler. But, famously, the trade fell through. Gomez went to the Astros two days later instead. Had all that not happened, had there not been a question about Gomez's medicals, there would have never been a trade for Ioannis Cespedes. There would have been no trip to the 2015 World Series. There would have been no crazy stories about him buying a huge ranch outside Port St. Lucie and wrecking his career by wrangling his monstrous farm animals. So thank you, Carlos Gomez. Can I tell you guys a quick aside about the name Gomez? Not the player Gomez. This is just in my craw here. The last name Gomez. There is a lawyer out here where I live in San Diego who advertises on TV more than Salino and Barnes ever did when they were a thing. This Gomez has one of those numbers that ends in the word lawyer, like 1-800-555-LAWYER, or whatever it is, obviously not 555. But this guy's commercial is, you know, people are always coming up to me and asking me, John, why is your telephone number 555-LAWYER? Wait a minute, time out. Are they, John? Are they really coming up and asking you that at parties and whatnot? People think you're a plumber or a systems analyst or a chimney sweep and they literally come up to you at a party or something and they say, John, I noticed your number is 555-LAWYER. Now, why why is that exactly? Uh, I don't know. Maybe because you're a lawyer and you're paid to get that number because it's good marketing? Come on. Do these pretend people really think you just randomly got assigned that number first and then decided to become a lawyer? If Verizon had assigned you 555-GORILLA... You would have become a gorilla? I mean, that's how this works? Oh, that commercial drives me insane. Obviously. All right, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, Carlos Gomez. No relation to John Gomez. Lawyer. Congrats on getting your name on a wall in Milwaukee. Also, K-Rod, who saved 83 games for the Mets after he signed that five-year deal in 2009. Uh, Mets dealt him to Milwaukee halfway through that situation uh, during the 2011 All-Star game, in fact, and he helped lead the Brewers to the 2011 NL Central title that year. Brewers just wrapped up another title 10 years later. As for the game on Friday, Mets lost it 5-1. I will play you one highlight. 1-2. Nimmo drives it toward right center. Lorenzo Cain, a long run. He won't get there. That ball hits off the base of the fence in right center field. Nimmo races around second. He's trying for third. Relay throws on the way. Not in time. Brandon Nimmo leads off the game with a triple. Right off the base of the fence in deep right center field. Even Lorenzo Kane couldn't catch up to it. As Nimmo strides around the bases, he has his second triple of the year. Nimmo then scored on a ground out, and then the Mets went the next six innings without another hit. The 26-year-old rookie Tyler McGill, the loser in this game. Remember, he made quite a splash getting called up in June. Had a 2.04 ERA through his first seven starts, but since then, 2-5. and five. 
with a 6.55. And I think the league is just adjusting to him. He was throwing the ball well, a lot of swings and misses in the zone, but that's why they have advanced scouts. They see your tendencies. The other guys make adjustments. These are just some of the things that happen when you're a first-year pitcher. And the biggest problem for McGill, especially lately, the inability to keep the ball in the yard. 12 home runs allowed in his last six starts. Here he was being questioned on Zoom after the game. Hey, Tyler. You know, over these last six starts, why do you think uh, the home run has been such an issue? Uh, probably just in the zone, middle zone, and mistakes. And, you know, they, they make me pay for it. Um, definitely not getting away with much when it's in the zone. Usually long balls, what's getting me. I know you've said that you feel physically still pretty good, but obviously this is, is far more than you've ever pitched in a professional season before. Are you feeling you know fatigued in any way? Do you feel like any of that is contributing to some of the, the results here of these last six? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I mean, it's more so pitch execution. I'm leaving balls over the middle and they're getting hit. Hey, let's face it, guys. Tyler McGill is not supposed to be third on the Mets in starts. He's supposed to be 2016 Robert Gazelman. Anyway, uh, the Brewers at this point, winners of 12 of their last 13 against the Mets in Milwaukee, make it seven in a row. Saturday, Bob Euchre Day in Wisconsin. The Brewers celebrating their play-by-play man, the native son, who's wrapping up his 50th year calling their games. Euchre is 87 now. He used a pitching machine to throw out the ceremonial first pitch. Yuke is on the cover of the Brewers Media Guide, which is either a rousing endorsement of his work on Mr. Belvedere or a sad statement about marketable players currently on the Brewers. Uh, don't get me wrong, I was a big fan of Euchre's soulful portrayal of George Owens on the Belvedere show, father of Kevin and Heather and the irrepressible little Wesley, ABC Friday Nights. Many is the night, while my friends were all out on dates, I languished at home eating Cheetos and enjoying the, the new episode of Mr. Belvedere. And to some, just as Sean Connery will always be James Bond, Christopher Hewitt will always be Belvedere. But Bob Euchre is Mr. Baseball, or so it became after his run of 90 or so appearances on Johnny Carson. And Euchre was asked, what's the hardest you've ever seen Johnny Carson laugh? And it was, he says, after Johnny asked him, where are you going next after the show? And Euchre said, well, tomorrow I'll be in Craters of the Moon, Idaho. I'm going around the country promoting unsportsmanlike conduct for kids. In peewee football, if the ref throws a flag, we encourage a kid to blow his nose on it and hand it back. Or they can slip a little crazy glue on the tip of the whistle and watch him pull his lips off. That's a good one. Uh, I The other one I really like is when he talked about how he hoped the Cardinals win the pennant. He said, I came down with hepatitis. Or, or the other good one. He said, I originally signed with the Braves for $3,000. That bothered my dad because he didn't have that kind of money. But eventually he scraped it up. Uh, Okay, pitching matchup on Saturday. It was Rich Hill for the Mets, 3.87 ERA, but a losing record. For Milwaukee, Corbin Burns, 2.34 ERA, 221 strikeouts and 158 innings. Did not have a single loss in his last 18 starts coming in. So this was going to be a tough one. And you know what? Old man Rich Hill matched him virtually pitch for pitch. Hill striking out six, allowed only two hits. He cleared five innings for the ninth time in 11 starts. This is going to be the first time in six seasons, though, that the team that Rich Hill is on is not in the playoffs. He's previously been quite the good luck charm. And he was good again in this game. He just got burned by some walks, four of them total. Two of them came in the third when Willie Adamas and Avasil Garcia 
had the back-to-back walks, and they scored when Eduardo Escobar singled to left and drove them both in. And there you have it. Those two runs would stand up. As again, the Mets looked like they were up there brandishing a loaf of French bread as opposed to an actual bat. Lindor, for example, 0 for 4, 4 strikeouts. Seems like that three-homer game on Sunday night baseball against the Yankees was just an outlier. If nothing else, uh, maybe just something we all collectively imagined it. I I don't know. But, I mean, it just seems like that was a million years ago now. No denying a very simple fact. No matter what the Mets do to Febreze the roster going forward, no matter the changes that are made, if Francisco Lindor is 115th of 136 qualifying players in the majors and OPS again next year, it is not going to end very well. 2021 is going to have to be what we look back on as a low-water mark of an otherwise Hall of Fame caliber career if the Mets are going to really get this going. Again, that's something about the facts and a guy named Jack can be invoked here. I'm just just being true. So, the 2-1 to loss marking the 63rd time the Mets have played a game decided by one run. The 78th time this year they've scored three runs or fewer. They are 30-32 and 32 in those one-run games. 14-64 and 64 in the games where they don't get to four runs. All right, so now we go to yesterday, Sunday. And a game beginning not with a rain delay, but a Ryan Braun delay. He's finally, formally done as a big league player. He had every one of his 352 big league homers as a Brewer, six-time All-Star, and despite the PED shenanigans, they love him in Milwaukee. The standard for Brewer's greatness has forever been Robin Yount and Paul Molitor, but in terms of war, Braun is pretty much right there with those guys. I mean, statistically, he gets that third face on the Brewer's Mount Rushmore, like it or not. Like Al Rosen and Hank Greenberg before him, he has answered at times to the great nickname of the Hebrew Hammer. Braun was coincidentally the family name of Sandy Koufax until his mother remarried and took his stepfather's name, if you didn't know that. And one more for you, Braun's mom was a brewer too, in a way. She worked on the lines making beer for, of all companies, Anheuser-Busch. I know, you thought it would be whatever that thing was that Laverne and Shirley did when they were on that beer assembly line, Shlemiel, Shlemazel. Uh, but yeah, working for Anheuser-Busch uh, in Milwaukee would not be cool because this obviously is where the Miller High Life is brewed. If Braun had been drafted as a Detroit Tiger and his mom had worked for Toyota, Same kind of dynamic, right? But somehow a guy who got busted for PEDs, grew up in Southern California, went to college in Miami, and whose mom worked for Miller's chief rival. That guy had a big, warm retirement ceremony Sunday that delayed the first pitch. Carlos Carrasco on the mound for the Mets. 15-plus ERA in first innings. We've told you all about how he starts out so slowly in first innings. Eight home runs allowed in 11 first innings coming in. Well, it happened again Sunday when the former Ray, the ex-Ray, Willie Adamas hit a two-run shot right after the Mets had actually grabbed the lead in the top of the inning on a Lindor home run. There you go, Francisco. That's what I'm talking about. But yeah, Milwaukee with two in the first, three in the second. Carrasco ended up going just four innings. Saw ZRA get jacked all the way up to 5.73. Milwaukee uh, adding three runs in the sixth off Jairus Familia. And your final would be 8-4 Brew Crew, despite two hits, two RBIs from Baez, and another acrobatic, amazing catch on a line drive that he made. Aaron Loop, another scoreless appearance, and his second half ERA is now 0.33. Best ever by a Met with at least 25 appearances. The old record, Aaron Heilman's 0.68 in 2005. So the Brewers clinched this weekend 
The Mets get eliminated this weekend. And as for the NL East, the Braves trying to win a fourth straight NL East title. The Mets last won the division in 2015 when they got all the way to the World Series. They have appeared in the NL wildcard game once since then. That was a loss to the Giants in 2016. Since then, they have had just one winning season. Now, before we take off, let's get you the latest on Noah Syndergaard. Another inning in the books at Syracuse. He hasn't been in a big league game since September 29 of 2019. We're coming up on that anniversary. Everybody wants to see him get back in one game, two games maybe, just to make sure he can still do it. DeGrom, who knows at this point. It'd be nice to have him back for a few innings now just to say hello. But at this point, whatever. Because the best the Mets can do is 80 and 82 at this point. Hopefully, there's a healthy DeGrom and a healthy Syndergaard next year. But here's one for you to ponder. Who's your closer next year? Edwin Diaz earned $7 million this year. He'll be staring at a raise over the winter. It's his final year of arbitration eligibility. The four-seam fastball... 99 miles an hour on average, 100th percentile in the majors. The slider has held opponents to a 160 batting average, just a 190 slugging percentage. The hard hit percentage, the swing and miss rate, they're exceptional. But yet, six losses, six blown saves, and 36 chances, ERA 3.62. And the meltdowns have occurred in little clumps. He had three straight blown saves against the Pirates and Reds in that stretch around the All-Star break. He blew saves on consecutive days in Washington Labor Day weekend, you might remember. But prior to to June 1st in Arizona, Diaz hadn't blown a save all year. Craig Kimbrell and Kenley Jansen will be highlight reel type free agent guys on the market this winter. But they've got extended mileage on their arms and no warranty. Personal opinion, I think you keep rolling with Diaz and spend your money somewhere else. But that's just me. Uh, Who exactly will be making that call? about a closer and whether Syndergaard's coming back. There's momentum building, of course, for Billy Bean and some others, but also for Milwaukee's guy, David Stearns, who doesn't have the brand recognition of a Theo Epstein or a Billy Bean, but he's built a sustainable winner in a small market. They're going to the playoffs for a fourth straight year. He's only 36. He's worked as an intern in the Mets front office out of college, and the Mets were interested in him. He's a Manhattan native. That was last winter, but the Brewers denied him permission to interview. He's reportedly under contract through 2022, but you'd imagine he could place a little bit of pressure on his bosses to allow him to interview if the Mets really want to pursue it. He's done some good things. He traded for Yelich, waited out free agency to grab good deals with guys like Mike Moustakas and Yasmani Grandal. Outside the box guy, I mean, Eric Thames is the signing that comes to mind in, in that department. He's obviously had payroll limitations, but look what Andrew Friedman did getting out of Tampa Bay going to L.A. Get him to a a big city, big market, stand back, watch the magic. Uh, And I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm just intrigued by him. Uh, And for those of you on the Billy Bean train, well, given his close working relationship with Sandy Alderson, that's a good fit. Uh, Theo Epstein, of course, is a, a really big name as well. It's a field that's just really tough to handicap. Never mind a potential dark horse candidate like a a John Daniels with the Rangers, a guy that grew up a Mets fan in New York whose parents are actually named Mark and Mindy. I love that. The the number of nano-nano jokes that family's had to endure is overwhelming to consider. All right, next up, back home tomorrow. It's against Miami, and it's a single admission doubleheader starting at 410. And Stroman's going to get one of those starts. That's cool. 
because Strowman deserves another win here at some point. Most starts with zero, one, or two runs worth of support. Uh, that's 16. That's Marcus Strowman. That's ahead of guys like Eric Cole and Sandy Alcantara. In those 16 starts, his ERA is three and a half, but they're not scoring runs for him. Uh, and it's going to be Trevor Rogers going for Miami against Strowman, most likely. And here's another guy 2.67 ERA, but a losing record. He's seven and eight. Wednesday, just one game, 7 10 p.m., and it's Seinfeld night. Jerry, hello. A Mets logo slash Seinfeld logo t-shirt free to the first 10,000 fans. Don't steal one like your Uncle Leo at Brentano's. Just wait patiently and the nice people will hand you one. And tomorrow's podcast, maybe in honor of Seinfeld night, is a podcast about nothing because there is no game today. It'll be a two-for-the-price-of-one interview piece with a couple of right-handed relievers, Trevor May and Seth Lugo. Wanted to import the old set from the Merv Griffin show for this, like Kramer did that one time, just could not pull that off. But uh, maybe a guest appearance by the always exciting Mets in the Morning house band. Wouldn't that be fun? Let's meet these fine musicians as today's pod comes to its merciful end. On keyboards, Wayne Kirby. Slapping to bass, Jorge Sosa. The horn section, it's Alberto Castillo. And on drums... I've been waiting to, to say this guy's name for a long time. Haven't gotten a chance to do it yet. It's Doggy. Richard Hidalgo. And if I've already used him before, I'm sorry. I, I just He's one of my favorite uh, flash-in-the-pan Mets of all time. So if that's the second time I've used Doggy, I, I forgot. But if it's the first time, there you go. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Sorry about the weekend outcome up in Milwaukee. It turns out the guys in stripes were right. It's not that easy to zip in and out of Wisconsin. See ya.